0: Welcome to another episode of Life After Mars, a Veronica Mars podcast. Hi. <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> we talk the mystery du jour, other side stories, and our favorite scenes and lines. We won't spoil you on the season long mystery for four more episodes, but the mystery du jour is fair game. I'm Corey, your longtime marshmallow.
1: And I'm Sean, a new recruit on the USS Love Boat. Oh, I love it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, before we get started today, we wanted to talk a little bit. uh, Sorry if you're hearing noise right now. Sean's decided he's going to adjust his mic while we're recording. Well, you can edit my stuff out. Nope. I'm keeping. This is gold. (laughs) You ready? Yeah, I guess Okay. Before we get started talking about today's episode, we wanted to talk a little bit about what's coming up here in Austin. So next Saturday. This Saturday. This Saturday.
1: A week from this recording. In in
0: two days from now when you are listening to this. June 8th. Let's just say June 8th. June 8th. (laughs)
1: 2019.
0: There we go. The Austin Television Fest, or Austin TV Fest, is having a panel for Veronica Mars downtown Austin at the Paramount Theater, which, fun little trivia tidbit, is where the Veronica Mars movie premiered at South by Southwest in 2014. But there's going to be a panel, and Rob Thomas is going to be there, and Jason Doreen's going to be there, and Enrico's going to be there, and, and Wallace is going <laughs> to be there. I mean, Percy Tags III is going to be there. And we are going Fingers crossed. We're trying. We have tickets. We have tickets. Uh, Not wristbands or badges, but if there's room for us, we get to come in with our tickets. And we'll be joined by our friend Gretchen, who you might remember from... The, uh, an Eccles Family Christmas episode. She joined us to talk about it. So if you are going to be there, Marshmallows, please let us know. You can at us on Twitter. It's lifeaftermar09. We'll be walking around, and we want to meet you and ask you questions, and we're going to try to put together, I guess, a special panel. I mean, obviously, we're not going to be like recording in the panel. I'm pretty sure they won't let us. But out on the streets, talking to fans, we'd love to put together a special episode and put it up here on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So if you'll be there, look for us. I don't know how you'll find us, but we'll be walking around.
1: Handing out our uh, business cards.
0: Sean made some business cards. Yeah, I did. He's real excited QR about code them. and
1: everything.
0: We're super legit.
1: <laughs> so we'll
0: be there. So look for us or at us, and we will... We will all find each other.
1: You want to get some white t-shirts and just like in Sharpies and just like life after Mars or just our names, just like Sean and Corey. And that's it. No, no other.
0: So today we're talking (laughs) about season one, episode 18, weapons of class destruction Thanks for the
1: support, Corey. You're welcome.
0: A new student is under suspicion when bomb threats lead to school evacuations but Veronica just might have more pressing things to deal with as her and Wallace cope with the unexpected news from their parents. Let's go ahead and get started. <laughs> so I'm covering the mystery du jour today, and I'm just gonna jump into it. Fire drills have quickly become a near-daily occurrence at Neptune High, and while Veronica doesn't think anything of it, her interim journalism teacher tells her to chase down the why. So naturally, V goes all the way to the top. VP Clemens says they're behind on their district-mandated drills and are trying to catch up, but V doesn't buy it. She calls the district to ask about the number of required drills, only to find it's one. Neptune has had three that week. Out in the hall, between classes or maybe after school, because the halls are relatively empty, Veronica sees three police officers with their canines.
1: I think it was during class Curious. was the thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Everybody's in class, so yeah. she was coming from his office and Corny's out there and so- is just staring at his open locker. And when the police come through and he's got pot, he like shoves it down his pants and is starting to like go away. He's got he to be- the weed, man. I know, because he's afraid that the cops are after him and that's not what the cops are after.
1: Well, uh, one of the main side effects of marijuana is paranoia. So <laughs> and he's clearly on it. Corny's
0: real good at being paranoid. <laughs> So Veronica calls VP Clemens and pretends to be the contact she just spoke with at the district. Luckily, the woman has a distinct kind of scratchy voice. Sounds like Roz from Monsters, Inc., if any of you guys are out there that like that show or that movie. And Veronica pulls it off quite convincingly. And she learns that Neptune has received bomb threats and that VP Clemens has called in the bomb squad. And I just have to think that this is not how that would go down in real life. Like, I'm pretty sure if you're getting bomb threats at your school, the VP is not going to be like, I'm just not going to tell the district yeah,
1: just brush this or the-
0: anyone else about <laughs> it, especially... Given the time that this is happening, so this is like four years after Columbine. Mm-hmm. Like, Granted, it's before the horror that we live in today with everything that happens at schools, but I'm pretty sure this is not how. But I'll, I'll give it to you, Rob Thomas, because it's television. They publish this story, and the student body and their parents collectively lose their mind. Veronica is called into VP Clemens' office, along with Miss Stafford, the interim journalism teacher who also is the pep squad advisor.
1: And who is played by... Joey, Joey Lauren Adams, Adams who I had—I've had a huge crush on her since Mallrats. She's delightful. You're about to talk about this, but who the hell reams a teacher in front of a student like that?
0: VP Clemens. What, I mean, what the hell, man? I know it—it's a little.
1: He's talking about her being unprofessional. Yeah. And he's just sitting there chewing her out like she's a student in I front know. of a student.
0: And him even saying, like, I might have made a mistake in trusting the journalism to a pep squad advisor. And I'm like, VP Cummins, usually I really, really like you. Right now I'm not like mm-hmm. you. It's kind of, he's doing the stereotypical vice principal behavior. People hate vice principals for a reason, and it's acting like this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. So it's, it's a bummer because usually I really enjoy him. So anyway, VP Clemens has brought them in to kind of have a disciplinary meeting, both for Miss Stafford and for Veronica to very much, and, and it's actually funny because in this moment he's like, and who is your source that you cite in your story that's, that's high up at the school? And she's like, uh, you. And he's like, I'm pretty sure I didn't tell you anything. And then she does the voice.
1: <laughs> Mr. Clemens, the fresh girl gave me the impression you had been exceeding your fire drill limits.
0: Because more amusing is his reaction to being like, crap, I got paid. Or, crap, I got played (laughs) by Veronica Mars, which shouldn't surprise him. But you just never know on the phone. It's really hard. But anyway, he makes it very clear. No more stories on the bomb threat. A day or so later, a fellow pirate, Pete, approaches Veronica with information on the bomb threats. Can I
1: talk to you about something? Yeah, sure. I have some information for you. Confidential information.
0: My favorite (laughs) kind.
1: about your story about the bomb threats yeah well it got me thinking the other day i was riding my bike to school and i passed by this vacant lot and i saw norris and that new kid ben they were throwing tennis balls at stray cats
0: uncool but i don't get it
1: the tennis balls were exploding
0: so a quick beat on new kid ben and norris New Kid Ben is played by the ever-dreamy Jonathan Taylor oh. Thomas, a.k.a. Swoon. JTT, 90s teenage heartthrob. You know you had pictures of him in your locker.
1: A.k.a. Randy Taylor.
0: Well, that's not as important.
1: Well, I this is important to me.
0: How so? Did you watch Home Improvement? Yes, I did.
1: Did you cry in the episode when JTT got a goiter? I remember it being such a like a it was like a bomb drop and it was like he might have oh, throat cancer or yes, something like
0: that. Yes, I do. I don't remember crying, but I remember him like, oh shit, this just got real.
1: Right. Yeah. It was a big. It was a. It was an event. An event.
0: Is that the word I'm thinking of there? An event. A.
1: A cultural. Everybody as a society
0: came together and helped for the tailors. It, yes. So he's a little dark, a little morbid in his camo gear. He's basically your stereotypical creepy loner kid. Norris is Ben's only friend at Neptune. We don't know much about him except that, as Wallace tells it, one day at school, VP Clemens made Norris turn his shirt inside out. What was written on it? Kill them all. Let God sort them out. Now, this is important because prior to this particular revelation, Veronica has seen two instances of a website address written on school property at her regular lunch table and on a random locker. The site, killthemall.net, Veronica checks out the website and discovers a very satanic panic-looking countdown currently sitting at 46 hours. But what is it counting down to? That's what Veronica needs to find Mm -hmm. out. So Veronica approaches Ben and Norris, tucked away at their own little lunch table, under the guise of taking a school poll. You see, Veronica's not completely sold on the idea that Norris is capable of a bomb threat. I wrote comb threat. <laughs> anyway.
1: Yeah, I thought his hair was just fine in this episode.
0: <laughs> sure, he had a reputation of being a bit of a bully back in middle school. But last year, after Duncan dumped her and she was effectively shunned from all things o er Norris came to her aid when people harassed her. We see this flashback of her sitting at a table and someone in the o er section is like shooting spit wads at her through a straw mm-hmm. and they're getting stuck in her hair and she's trying to play it cool. And then you see Norris come up and he takes the straw and he like spits the spit wad right in the guy's face and then just kind of stares him down until he gets up and leaves, and then he turns around and gives Veronica a look, and she gives him a little smile. (laughs) So it's that thing where, you know, she's seen kindness, so she doesn't necessarily buy this idea that he could blow up the school. Mm -hmm. Wallace actually kind of confirms this. See, he went to get Ben's file for V, per Wallace's (laughs) usual thing. But there's no file on Ben. Maybe he's too new. And as far as Norris goes, it's a thick file, but all the instances are from middle school, nothing since high school. While leaving that day, Veronica witnesses an argument between Ben and Norris. Ben storms off, and Veronica decides to follow. She tails him to the Camelot Motel, where all bad things happen in (laughs) Neptune. So I feel like that's a big red flag. You're like, hmm, there's a high schooler hanging out at the Camelot Motel. Hmm. And then again to a nursery where he purchases two giant bags of fertilizer before unloading an assault rifle from the back of his car and just casually propping it up <laughs> against the outside of his car. And he just kind of like looks, like gives a little look around in the parking lot of this really fancy nursery. And he's like, "I'm just gonna leave this here while I load the fertilizer into the back of my car." How nobody calls the police when they see that happening is beyond me. Right. So at this, because ti- he's
1: so good looking. <clears throat>
0: uh, not in this episode. Let's be real. <laughs> He looks a little
1: rough. He looks about 24 or 25 years old. that's 20, how old he was. 21
0: Drum Street. Oh, he was older than that because he was like 21 or 24. No,
1: I, I looked it up. He was 24 years old. In at that time? At right that time. Oh. I'm going to that episode. Well, he looks older. He was born in 1981.
0: Okay. I just did some quick math. I'm like, is he older than me? Yes, he is. <laughs> Not that it matters.
1: Did, was the quick math remembering what year you were born? No.
0: <laughs> Not at all. Anyway. So at this time, Veronica takes a call from Logan about Duncan. So she's momentarily distracted, giving Ben time to approach her car and climb in, startling her. She drops her phone and Logan hears, let's go for a ride. Marshmallows, you know what's coming. Mm-hmm. Ben tells Veronica that she's messing everything up, that he needs time to think and has something to show her. They arrive at the camelot and he strong arms her upstairs, only two steps from his door be attacked by Logan. Veronica had dropped her cell phone when Ben climbed in the car, but the call was still connected, so Logan overheard everything, including where they were going.
1: Yeah, I, Veronica made a conscious effort to say it out loud.
0: I mean, I think that that was a good move on her part, but I don't know if she necessarily knew. I mean, could you know that the call was still connected? The phone could have turned off when it dropped it. <sighs> no. how? How? I mean, it's a little button, right? I mean, and you would hope Logan was a, n- a nice enough guy to like, come to her aid.
1: Fingers crossed. I think Veronica would have always kind of depended on him to do that at this point. Not always. Sorry. Always was the wrong word there. Yeah. At this point. point, Yeah.
0: He kind of owes her a favor. Uh So while Logan is busy punching out Ben, Veronica fumbles for his wallet ID and surprise. Turns out Ben is a federal agent. Mm -hmm. ATF specifically. He's undercover at Neptune. Turns out he monitors internet traffic and discovered Norris's website, killthemall.net, along with several troubling and red flag riddled emails to other individuals. Trouble is, he doesn't have anything definitive to arrest Norris. He needs proof of weapons or the list of people that Norris is corresponding with. He also, as it turns out, needs Veronica's help.
1: Sorry, real quick on the the words, the keywords that Uh flagged him. Some of them are pretty on the nose. Waco? How is that conversation going? I'd like to see the email. I
0: or... I have a lot of emails that say Waco in them. <laughs> Do you? Mainly about the lack of gas stations in Waco. <laughs> it's a joke. My dad will laugh when he hears that yes. because there's no gas stations in Waco. There are. We just couldn't find any. Right.
1: And we're a lot closer to Waco. I mean, Waco is about an hour north of us here versus south Cal- Southern, Southern California. California. But I want to know how that conversation went. Like, the... We're
0: planning a field trip to Waco. <laughs> It, oh, is, red, it is red curious. Flag. Red flag, red flag. It'd be like you've got the whole I mean, now they've got all of the moms in the world who want to have their pilgrimage to Magnolia's silos and in, in Waco. I don't know what Magnolia is. It's some um, it has to do with some couple that like does interior design TV shows on oh, TLC or something. I have no idea. Right. I actually did hear about that. Yeah. So now that's like the new thing in Waco. So now they're red flagging a bunch of white women (laughs) essentially well it's about damn time (laughs) so the fight she saw him having with norris he pushed norris a bit too hard spooked him i mean this guy's a little over eager going on and on with veronica about his impeccable arrest record and how failure isn't an option so he went a little too hard too fast on norris and norris walked Well, actually, Ben walked. He got up and walked Uh away from the table. And now Ben needs Veronica to get close to him. I've been to his house, but I haven't been in his bedroom or the garage. And how do you expect me to swing an invitation to his bedroom and or his garage? Easy. He likes you. He likes me? Likes me likes me? He's mentioned it on more than a few occasions. Now, Marshmallows, it's going to seem like I'm leaving something very important out of this sequence of events. But trust us. We're going to get into it later. What are you talking
1: about? I'm just messing with you.
0: <laughs> I know you are. So, I'm going to continue with this mystery du jour. So, Veronica goes over to Norris's house under the guise of needing his help with a case. Her father is tracking down some stolen weapons and since Ben tipped her off that Norris loves to talk about his ancient weapons collection, it's a perfect sell. Now, this whole scene of Veronica at Norris's house is so delightful and I'm not going to do it justice here. There's so many wonderful lines and moments and just kind of the back and forth between her and Norris. He's got this sort of like subtle pride about his collection and wants to impress her but in these like kind of really kind of quiet ways. He's not very obvious Mm -hmm. about it. That's just really nice to see kind of the two of them interact, um, so I'm not going to do it any justice. Sorry about that. Well, they've
1: all seen the episode.
0: This is true, and if you haven't, you should go watch it. So Veronica gets to see his bedroom, all of his weapons, and even gets an invite into the garage to throw rubber ninja stars. Norris tells her that his dad has promised to let him tour Japan that summer if he keeps his grades up, and he, he being Norris, initially asks her on a date to see some exhibit in town, and... Very quickly reads the room and changes that to an invite um, to just like a friend's hang.
1: I saw that and I was very, I don't know, I was proud of him. I was I, like, yeah. great job, man. It was a Norse. really good job.
0: Especially at the beginning of the episode when we have Leo D'Amato telling Veronica how he wants to get a really good look, look at, at her. her bedroom ceiling. Yes. And I'm like, Leo! I mean, I get it. You're, like, horny and you're, like, 22. It's fine. I mean, we'll talk talk about it. But it's a nice kind of juxtaposition of, you know, here's this teenage kid who you would expect to be kind of just a raging ball of hormones. And he's actually being kind of, like, respectful and Mm -hmm. cool. I'll admit it. I have a huge crush on Norris. And I wish he became more of a character. Spoiler alert, he doesn't. You're not his type. I'm not his type. I'm not a top blonde (laughs) apparently. Uh, I, I I did leave that out, but um, Veronica's in his bedroom looking for a weapon that fell off the wall, and she reaches under his bed and finds a porn magazine. And he's got his back to her, and he realizes as she finds it that, oh, shit, that's under my bed. And he turns around and he's like, actually, you know what? I'll just find that weapon later. You can just... You could just leave it. It's totally fine. So outside his house, Veronica tries to get on his family's Wi-Fi. They were one of the first in the nation to get it. Maybe then she can access emails or the website, or I don't really know to be honest. And neither does Veronica. It would seem she calls Mac to kind of walk her through it. But as she sits out there, she sees Norris's neighbor, Pete. It's the kid from the beginning of the episode, the one who told her about Norris and Ben and the exploding tennis balls. They kind of do this like awkward wave. Or he sees her in the car and just sort of is like, hi. I
1: think he's just an awkward guy to begin with. I think that's just the best best way wave he could...
0: He's a little bit awkward, it's true. So at school the next day, Veronica arrives just in time to see Norris, but not enough time to warn him of what she knows. At that exact moment, Ben and the other ATF agents roll up and arrest Norris. They search the trunk of his car and find a large assault rifle and several bags of fertilizer. Naturally, none of this sits well with Veronica. She's convinced Ben set Norris up, and she can prove it. At the Neptune Navigator, that's the the newspaper, Mm -hmm. she puts together her story. Norris's neighbor, Pete, created the countdown website, emails, and internet traffic. She calls him, and they have this kind of really heartbreaking talk about why he did it. It turns out that Norris had bullied Pete extensively in middle school and had taken his money, his lunch money every day, and his dad had said, be a man, you know, pop him, and he won't do it anymore. So Pete did, and then Norris put him in the hospital which we'd heard you know when she was looking at his record that he had a violent behavior record from Mm -hmm. middle school and when pete's dad saw him in the hospital he said he'd wish he had a son so it's a kind of very heartbreaking
1: who's he mad at The bully or his dad?
0: Probably both, but it's probably easier to lash out at Norris than it is at his own father. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a heartbreaking story. You know, as a a kid who was on the receiving end of a lot of negative talk growing up, I I understand his plight, but I don't agree with how he chose to... Mm -hmm. His methods. Cope with it. Um, I don't think revenge is ever appropriate. Further, Veronica has photographic proof of Ben purchasing the fertilizer found in Norris's trunk and also being in possession of the rifle that was found in the trunk. It's the one that he casually... (laughs) That's
1: why he casually put it out there. He's like, Veronica's going to need this for evidence.
0: (laughs) She's going to need to take a picture of this. (laughs) I'm going to put it right here. Good lighting. All right. Now, running this story is risky. VP Clemens specifically forbid any further articles on the bomb threat and related activity. But her interim journalism advisor, Miss Stafford, gives the green light to Mm -hmm. print. So the next day, the story runs. It's the talk of the school again. And they're in their journalism room, and Miss Stafford comes in. She wants to let them know that Norris has been released from custody. The charges have been dropped, and it's thanks to their publication. Mm -hmm. But that it also will be the last day that Miss Stafford teaches at Neptune High. It's a very kind of bittersweet ending. So that's the mystery du jour.
1: Before we go any further, I ha- I do have some other Jonathan Taylor Thomas trivia I'd like to, to run by you here.
0: Okay, hit me.
1: I kind of fell down a couple of rabbit holes last oh, night. Goodness gracious. <laughs> so one thing I found out is JTT does not have a whole lot of information about him on the Internet. His Wikipedia page is about this long. And um, it's about a foot long, I guess you would say. So JTT does not have a very big Internet presence.
0: No, he kind of um I remember he left Home Improvement while the show was still running. Like they did a thing. I think they wrote it out where like his character graduated early mm-hmm. and then went to like study abroad or something. I think cuz he wanted off the show and then he kind of fell off the acting well, radar. So he for a did while.
1: he did the voice of Simba in he The did. Lion King. Um he was in what was that movie with Chevy Chase?
0: Man of the House. Man of the
1: House, which I think we we actually mentioned in an earlier episode. No, we talked about Jungle to Jungle. Right, but I, we were getting those two I was getting those two confused. Gotcha. So anyway, like this, uh, Veronica Mars is one of the last things he did. Interesting. Yeah, I think he's he was on a t- TV show about six or seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with an actual, he was one of the main characters in it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only thing really after Veronica Mars he's done. And I did some other digging, and it looks like he actually like after. Would the, you
0: say you? sleuthed him <laughs> no I, I,
1: <laughs> I googled him after home improvement he attended harvard and graduated from columbia yeah and he's got a net worth of 16 million dollars
0: damn what does he do what did he what did they say what his degrees are in
1: i no, it didn't general studies he graduated from the columbia school of general studies all i, I know didn't know columbia had a school of general studies
0: he's quite short that's all i know
1: he is but i mean he was simba like he's good this is true <laughs> he's, he's got that disney money he doesn't have to do anything for the rest of his life. Pretty much. That's all the JCC trivia I have. Okay. For now.
0: All right. Well, let's move on to what else happens in the episode. And and don't worry, Marshmallows. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to the kiss. We're just going to talk about it in a little bit. What if we never get to it? That'd be great. They'll stop listening. <laughs> I would stop listening. I would stop recording. <laughs> well, I'm
1: the one with the record button over here. so I guess you could always walk out. I could. Yeah. So... This is a scandalous episode. Lots of loving in this one. It, it the episode actually starts with a little bit of loving outside the Mars apartments with Veronica and Leo Damato. They're getting a little hot and heavy.
0: And we figure out, we find out the uh, official yes, age gap. Yes, age
1: gap, which is twenty nine months. So she's seventeen, right? We've, we've she is. So that puts him at like what 20? A little, twenty, little 21, right around there. Mm-hmm. And he does make the suggestive remark about you know I'd like to go into a good look at your, a good long look at your ceiling. And I was like, ah, it's a little slimy, Leo. It's like It's a the- little
0: that's that's like treading into Troy Van de Graaff.
1: Yeah, but he's still he's a twenty year old dude. Like This is true. Twenty year old dudes are slimy, I guess. So this is the other rabbit hole I, I went down.
0: How did he become a cop?
1: So according to howdoyoubecomeapoliceofficer.com. Oh,
0: no. Don't. <laughs> now I'm going to have my dad calling me.
1: Um, I, I would very much like his input. But according oh, no. to th- there is a website called howdoyoubecomeapoliceofficer.com. Okay. I would recommend your, your dad take a look at this website because I would be very interested to see how accurate this website is. And
0: I also want to know if there's a difference between becoming a police officer and becoming a deputy. There are. Okay.
1: Uh, so it's about six months to two years of the actual um, police academy stuff itself. So that works out for the TV show. Because I was like, how long does Police Academy take? There's no way he's a cop yet. Uh, I was wrong. Uh, (laughs) The thing was, there's this pros and cons list I found on here. And there's just a couple that I wanted to bring up. So pros, salary, which is above median income, okay? Early retirement options. What do they mean by that?
0: Early retirement options. Yeah.
1: Uh, I I actually forgot your dad was an ex-cop before when I was looking all this stuff up. Uh, Now I am. My dad
0: is a retired police officer.
1: Is that different than an ex-cop?
0: It's just a nicer way to say it. It isn't it.
1: I don't know. Now, Now I'm nervous, Corey.
0: You should be nervous. My dad is listening to this, and he's a retired police officer. And but, I'm going to get a call now with p- opinions.
1: So the cons are long shifts and irregular hours. Yeah. Dangerous and difficult work conditions. Yeah. Stressful work environment. Yeah. Extensive travel and relocation requirements. Anyway, you're there's giving n- me a lot
0: of PTSD right yeah, now. There's
1: no. Um,
0: this is like a therapy session right yeah. now. Yeah. And how did that make you feel, Corey? Let's not talk about this.
1: So candidates must be. Oh God, at it's the, still going. Be at least 21 years of age. According to that website.
0: Interesting. Well, I mean, that's, so when was that right? Th- this could mean published. one of
1: two things. This is a TV show and none of this really matters. Or Leo is lying about his age.
0: What? Those are our only two options? That's, that's
1: it. Those are the only two options. And I'm leaning towards two. I mean, at best, he shouldn't even be in law enforcement, right? Nah. I mean, he's obviously lying about his age. What else is he lying about, Corey? This is true. He's a- attempted statutory, aiding and abetting, being a drummer, <laughs> and stealing the hearts of thousands. This is true. I don't think that's cop material. But apparently Papa Mars doesn't have much of a problem with it. I would if I were Papa Mars. Oh, for sure. But I guess this is another time and another place. (laughs) I do like the line where she walks in and he's like, we need to talk. Oh, don't worry, Paul. He'll come up with a dowry and marry me. I promise. Just you wait. Yeah. But he's a little more concerned what Veronica thinks of his new girlfriend.
0: You met someone?
1: I have. I didn't want to say anything until I was sure I had feelings for this person. Alicia and I talked about it. And-
0: what? Who? Alicia? Wallace's mom? Or what? Well, from your reaction, I'd say you heard me just fine.
1: <laughs> and Veronica and Wallace's reactions are hilarious. They're so great. Yeah. It's like, Ver- or, excuse me, Wallace's, he still has his toothbrush in his mouth. And he's, he's like, like what? say what? And I mean... I guess who wouldn't really freak out about that? So I think after a little bit of thought, it'd be like, oh, cool. You can We can be brother and sister. I mean, it's not like there's any romantic stuff going on. This is
0: true. And I honestly think from Wallace's point of view, I mean, we know how much he adores Keith. So I don't think Wallace, I was surprised that Wallace was so sort of, I mean, I think it's just the idea of his mom dating somebody mm-hmm. um, and wanting to protect his mom. And like, I know he knows that Keith is a good guy. I think it's just the shock of it. It's like your world's converging. I think that out of the two, Veronica has something. Like she has a reason to not like it, which she gets into. I'm not going to steal your thunder. This is your story. Go.
1: Right. Well, I actually left that part open for discussion in a minute. So we'll get into discussion on that. Excellent. So next day, Wallace and Veronica are sitting there at the lunch table. It's like the most uncomfortable, awkward (laughs) awkward scene ever. So and this this brought up some things for me. So she dated her half brother. Uh, Her stepbrother is her best friend. Her mom's in rehab, and her dad's an ex-cop. Add some meth, move the story about 800 miles west, and you have a completely different show that would probably play on A&E or something like that.
0: Probably. It'd be like Breaking Bad-esque. Yep, yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Get real dark and gritty.
1: Right. Rob Thomas, next spinoff. Uh, it'll just be an alternate storyline yeah. for Veronica alternate Mars. Universe. Just put them in Albuquerque rather than Neptune.
0: We could have real fun with this. Yeah,
1: I think so. Um, 20%. <laughs> so Wallace is clearly more upset about this than Veronica is I think Veronica is kind of internalizing it more but she's oh, yeah. a little more like I call top bunk
0: yeah she's trying to kind of well and I also think too and we'll just go ahead I, f- I feel like I can just yeah, yeah let's do it do the conversation of Wallace and Veronica the night before when they're oh wait no that hasn't come up yet. It hasn't happened yet. Okay. Let's continue. Well, let's to... talk about
1: that real quick. Okay. So th- it is it is the in the future, at some point in the future. From well, no, point. we
0: can keep, we can keep going, and, and I'll bring it up as we say it. Right, I'm, we'll talk I'm talking about it. about it right
1: now. Okay. Well, talk you're talking about the date night? Yeah. Yeah, so Wallace and Veronica are hanging out in her room mm-hmm. while the adults have date night in the living room, a mm-hmm. little movie date. I am, I know it's a TV show, but I'm really impressed with how confident they are in their parenting that they can leave a a teenage boy and a girl in a room and they're not even concerned they're not even
0: well it's Wallace and brawny i know
1: it's just as a parent you never know the whole story of what's going on in a teenager's life i feel um this is that's when they start having their own life
0: and try to individuate
1: and as my daughter is now 13 and becoming interested in boys and this stuff stresses me out so (laughs) much and i just hope as it should i just hope that when it comes up that i'm able to be comfortable with that right and trust her with that and, and this isn't a i hope she doesn't break my trust it's like i hope i did a good enough job and gave her the tools to handle this situation gotcha and this is where you know they're they're in there they're kind of stressed out and veronica's doesn't seem very worried because mm-hmm. she sees it as oh well you know if this isn't gonna last long anyway my mom's gonna be at a rehab in a couple weeks she's coming home my life's going back to normal yeah and wallace is like what the fuck what about my mom yeah. Like and this is just another Veronica moment where her only child self shines through. Where she's if just you don't like, count her, ste- her half brother. Yeah,
0: <laughs> she just is only concerned about her immediate
1: her family situation. World.
0: In a way, you can understand like she's been waiting a whole year. Like there's a plan now. Like she just out all this money for rehab, and not that it's like that's a reason why. But you know she's waited a long time to reunite her family, and I think it's just one of those things that even though her father. She's ignoring a lot of really obvious things, like her mother's potential infidelity, mm-hmm. her parents' marriage, whether or not Keith even wants to get back together mm-hmm. with leanne like in her mind, and I get it, I feel like that's the that is very much the child's mentality of like my parents will get back together, and everything will be happy and I think that it's blurring a lot of other stuff and it and it does cause a rift between her and Wallace in this moment because she's not taking into consideration anyone's feelings or plans, but her own really. Mm -hmm. She doesn't know if her mom wants to get back together with Keith either, you know? And Keith, when he was dating Miss James had even said that to her, you know, it's like, what if I don't want her to come Mm -hmm. back? Like, what if I just want to move on with my life? And once again, she's not listening to like what her dad wants and what he's trying to do and Alicia and Wallace and all this. She just doesn't, well, she's in. I also want to know who's watching his little brother. <laughs> if the mom's over there and Wallace is over there, he
1: might be having a sleepover or something. Maybe, but yeah. So I think where Veronica's mind is at right there is that she's obviously grieving the loss of her mother mm-hmm. and, and the grieving of her loss of a, just the family unit yeah. in general. And as part of the grieving process, there's all that denial and all that bargaining that's involved. And she's just so enmeshed in all of that mm-hmm. right now.
0: And we also have to remember that Keith has no idea that she put her mother in rehab. Mm-hmm. He has no idea that Leanne's back. He thinks she's still off somewhere doing whatever. Yeah. He still thinks, he has no idea that Veronica found him. Right. Her. And
1: and I think in Veronica's mind, uh, when she walks in the door, he's going to drop everything and hug her and say, I missed you so much. I'm so glad you're back in my life. hmm And I think that's very unrealistic. hmm Did you have anything else you wanted to say about that?
0: Oh, just the use of do me a favor.
1: Oh, right. But mom hasn't found a decent guy since dad died.
0: And if she's just going to get burned, I need to tell her right now. You can't. Why not? Wallace, wait. Do me a favor and just wait a few weeks.
1: I got to say, Veronica, I'm getting a little tired of doing you favors.
0: Amen, Wallace. Wait a (laughs) second. Because she kind of like box at that a little bit mm-hmm. where she's just like wasn't kind of expecting that because again in her head you know I, as much as i love veronica she can be very kind of single-minded and narcissistic mm-hmm. and not really aware of other people's wants and needs and it's that only
1: child syndrome
0: yeah and so i think that that surprises her mm-hmm. because she probably doesn't think of it as a big ass and it's just another thing in a long line of favor since she's asked wallace yeah. but this one I think hits and it's nice cuz you know we've been building up to this kind of not a fracture in their friendship but I think um I have a lot of thoughts cuz it more like it's going to evolve a lot and we'll talk about this once the season wraps but it's a really good and I think realistic conflict for them mm-hmm. because conflict is how you grow the relationship and I think it would be unrealistic if just every day they were like sidekick and investigator type of thing
1: it'd be it'd get really boring really fast it really
0: would wallace wouldn't grow you wouldn't like him as much Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't like the two of them and and he wouldn't challenge her and shape her like he he does a lot of helping her grow that i think is necessary
1: so and also uh, something else significant that happens in this scene is when wallace drops the best friend phrase
0: The BF bomb. I actually... The
1: the BF bomb. The
0: BF bomb. So I have a funny story. Uh, One of my best friends in college, Abby, I did a very similar thing. I think we were at Steak and Shake with two friends from a club that we were in in college. And we were sitting there. And I said it. And she literally looks over at me and she's like, oh, God, I wish... Abby, if you're listening, remind me how this conversation went. But it, it was something like she just, in the middle of the conversation, calls me out. And she just looks over at me and she's like, you just call me your best friend? And I was like, uh... Uh, and I didn't know like what to say. And I was like, yeah, are we? It was, and it was just this really awkward. Cause like we're at the table with two other people and it's like this big, obvious conversation at a restaurant. Um, it was just really funny.
1: Did she, did she reciprocate?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. We were best friends for a while. Yeah. I mean, like we are still good friends, but like in college, we were whoa, whoa, whoa. roommates. So you're not
1: best friends anymore? let's I get into ma- this. No,
0: I have many friends. <laughs> how, do many feel, how do you feel about this? Best friends. I adore Abby. She's wonderful. We were just texting yesterday. So anyway, so,
1: anyway uh, Wallace and uh, Alicia leave. Wallace leaves the room and says it's time to go, and mm-hmm. kind of a little, kind of a rude way.
0: And it, very abrupt, and it's it's interesting too because it, he doesn't hate keith mm-hmm. it's not like he's anti keith but he i think is he's got he's processing a lot of things and, and he's he just really upset
1: an, with the situation right and now. and he just had
0: an argument with veronica which alicia even calls out on like when they're outside she's like did you and veronica fight like why are you so upset it's because she even is thinking like this mm-hmm. is unusual for wallace
1: right and then he tries to tell her and she won't let him because she doesn't care what he's about to say she wants to enjoy the now she wants to enjoy the she's happy right
0: Keith is a good guy. Yeah.
1: And I think that's fair. Um, It is. You know, even if he were to say something, it it would ruin it, obviously. But I I don't think she even, she wouldn't even want to know. So uh, next day at Neptune High, Wallace ends up coming through with another favor. But the important part about this is, you know, they're kind of reconciling. I think they both had the night to cool off. I kind of feel like Veronica got off a little easy on this part. You know, she had the argument with Wallace, but then... You know, next day, everything is back to normal. And it's like he forgave her overnight.
0: Well, I do think there's like the heat comes down from like his emotions. He probably he had that moment to hear from his mother that like even she doesn't want to know. And so it's it's one thing where it's like he thinks he's going to be doing right by his mom by telling her. But hearing that his mom doesn't even want to know and that she's just happy, like
1: living in the moment.
0: Yeah. There might be a part of him that's like, okay,
1: But here uh, Veronica drops the BF bomb as well. And she,
0: I I love this exchange, too.
1: For what it's worth, you're my best friend, too, or something like that.
0: Yeah. And then he comes back with, I'm really glad you got your mom help. I should have told you that. And I think that that's a really nice moment of them to both kind of acknowledge what they didn't do in the previous conversation and to kind of get them back towards, like, at the end of the day, they are best friends. Mm -hmm. So it's like you can fight with your friends. You can disagree. You can have these arguments. But at the end of the day, he is also her best friend. And he... Is very happy for her that she one found her mom, mm-hmm. and two is getting her the help she needs. And I think that that's great to, especially at that age, to just kind of look beyond yourself to to think about what's going on with somebody else. Like I just, I just really liked that.
1: Awesome. So that, that's about that. Unless you have anything else you want to talk about about Wallace about Wallace and Veronica
0: Veronica.
1: Um, do you have some juicy nugs on the uh, Lily Kane? I,
0: well, real quick, I do love that, that exchange when they're in the hall and, and she's like, for what it's worth, you're my VFF too. And he says he's glad that she got her mom help. That's when he's giving her the files on, uh-huh. on Norris. And he comes up and he's like, yeah, it turns out Ben doesn't have one. He could be too new. He's like, but I did give, I did get Norris's. And she's like, you're the best. He's like, I get top bunk. And he like calls it. (laughs) Like he's kind of, you know, like jokingly in it. I just love that. Because I just imagine like, what would that apartment look like? Them having breakfast. Like I'd just like to spend a moment kind of thinking and imagining.
1: I'd hope they they would move into Alicia's house.
0: Oh, well, she's got a house. Yeah, exactly. Wallace would be like, I'm going to go live in my man cave in the backyard. Yeah. Build out his little shed. Well, no, because they got the, the... The little garage. The guest house. Yeah. yeah. You can just go live out there. I think that'd be badass. Sure. Yeah. Or Veronica, will turn it, they'll turn it into Mars Investigations. Not really. Mars they have junior. an office. Right. <laughs> junior P.I. Anyway, continue. Let's move on to uh, what we learned about Lily Kane's murder. So
1: we'll move... Slash through. Duncan. We'll move the, through this one. This is mostly just Duncan. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to say he did it at this point. Um, I want to talk about that a little more later at the end of this. But starting off, our first introduction to Duncan in this one, uh, Duncan and Meg, they're with each other at lunch, and then Meg pulls him down to sit down with Veronica because Veronica's sitting by herself. And I really like this, uh, what Veronica says here. Carlita, Biff, Rocco, make some room.
0: Imaginary friends.
1: So Duncan and Meg sit down with Veronica at lunch, and um, Duncan is obviously peeved about something he's, he's real he's, upset yeah, he's not making eye contact with and Veronica. especially because
0: like three scenes ago when they're all in the beginning of the episode yeah, when, when they're in the journalism class they're chit-chatting or evacuating right and they're walking out and they're joking and talking about mrs stafford's like pep and they're totally fine and so like last we knew they were totally fine right. and now he's total like body language he's angled away he's glowering
1: yeah something definitely happened between, sure. between those two points in time And so Veronica is regaling them with a tale of one of their uh, cases that that Keith is working on. And Duncan just gets up and walks away. And we can talk about the details of that later. So next scene, Duncan actually confronts her in journalism class.
0: Well, she kind of goes to him. She
1: walks in, but I mean, but he he does the confronting. He gives her the cold shoulder. Or
0: a a really bad warm welcome, (laughs) as she points out.
1: Yeah, but then he says, Logan told me you've been carrying on your own investigation of Lily's murder that you have files of everyone in your computer
0: that's true
1: is there a file on me
0: there's a file on everyone who is connected with lily
1: and then veronica admits that she she knows everything about his epilepsy too and all the not side effects but all the symptoms of mm-hmm. his epilepsy including his blind rages and his mm-hmm. he loses control and he He's pissed because nobody knows about that. Logan doesn't know about that. His best friend. Nobody at school knows about that. I think the only person who did know about that was Lily, and she's not the school anymore. Mm-hmm. And then so he he kind of pieces together. Well, she she even says, like, Abel Kuntz did not do it. He's being falsely accused for this murder. And he's like, well, he confessed. Why would he confess? Because I mean, he was paid money, whatever. Anyway, so he puts together that she thinks that the Kane Foundation is the one who's paying the money, which we already know this already. Uh-huh. Then he kind of pieces together, oh, maybe you think that they're paying that money to protect me. She says, do you remember
0: what happened that day? day?" And he's like walking out the door when this happens and he stops and kind of like turns around and like looks at her.
1: You think I killed Lily? How could you think that even for a second? Calm down. Why? You think I'm going to have another episode and kill you too?
0: Her reaction in that moment and, and what he's feeling and the words kind of like hit him. And he has this moment where he kind of like stumbles backwards and then turns and just runs from the journalism room. Because
1: mm-hmm. he kind of loses control right yeah. there as well. And I think it's just more evidence to him or just some evidence to him that, shit, maybe she is right. Maybe I did lose control and I don't remember it. Because he, d- he already knows he doesn't remember right. that entire day or mm-hmm. more than a day. Mm-hmm. So next we hear Duncan has skipped town. Meg is in the hallway crying and talking to Veronica, and says he pulled out ten thousand dollars cash, and haven't seen him. Nobody's seen him since yesterday. Going back to the conversation they were having at the lunch table, and um, she was talking about the case. Um, that her dad was working on, and so she was basically outlining. Because Meg says, "How could somebody just leave, just disappear like that?" Mm-hmm. And Veronica pretty much gives Duncan everything he needs the, to know, the instruction of how to do it, pamphlet on how to disappear. Mm-hmm. And so he pulls out cash, and he
0: definitely has the means in which to do it. Right. So,
1: so Duncan's gone. So I'm going to go into a little bit of a predictions corner here. Okay. Uh, but the thing is, what I'm predicting here isn't exactly a prediction. It's more of what how the show has kind of laid everything out at this point. Okay. And, and I think it might more be, this is what the show wants you to think. But it makes a lot of sense. So this this actually is all making me think, what if Duncan is was the killer and everything we've said so far, that the, all things that make sense is actually it. But the big bomb drop has something to do with not necessarily who done it, but more of the other parts, like the how the all the intricacies and everything. or the why? the why, exactly. My little prediction based on everything that it, it, it's the more obvious prediction right now. So okay. I don't think it's going to be this because it is too obvious. But this show has already surprised me several times so it could probably surprise me and this could be right i'm ready here is my prediction okay it comes out that veronica might actually be jake's daughter and lily finds out and threatens to tell this would obviously upset duncan a lot Mm -hmm. because he's been tongue kissing her and then that's why he starts ghosting her at school right you know who wouldn't be extremely awkward in that situation right Duncan finally snaps at soccer practice and goes home to find Lily, who's being a little too cavalier about the whole thing. And because if you look at, like, I've got a secret, you know, that whole quote. It's a good one. It's a good one. And if that's the secret in knowing Lily's personality the way we do. She would probably take it a little lighter than everybody else was. Just mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is what it is. <laughs> it doesn't
0: really affect her.
1: Right, exactly. And so Duncan loses his shit and knocks her out with the thingy and, ex- and accidentally kills her. I don't think he, did, he would have done it on purpose. Jake and Celeste come home, find her dead, and Duncan covered in blood. They get rid of the evidence. They wash his soccer uniform. Because by the time that Veronica and Keith get there, he's fully dressed, but still catatonic. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to figure out the relationship with Kuntz because I know that he's an ex Kane employee, but it sounds like there's kind of bad blood already between Coons and and the Canes, you know, with the the patent and whatever. Right. I think there's still a couple missing pieces there.
0: We've got four episodes to go. We do.
1: So... But he is, he's obviously dying. We know that. And he somehow agreed to take this large sum of money because he basically lost out on a lot of money with that pat- losing that patent. And I mm-hmm. think that's why he was an ex-Cane employee. And he was a good um, – not poster child, I'm thinking of. Patsy. He was a, a very good patsy given his relationship with the Cane. With cane he would men. have a motive. He would have a motive already. So basically, Koontz takes the money. You know, mm-hmm. it gets – filtered through him to his daughter and uh Duncan doesn't know he did it he doesn't run because he's because he knows he's guilty he does it because he thinks he might be that's my prediction okay and like I said that's pretty much everything that's been served to us already Mm -hmm. Um, nice little recap right so we'll see in Mm. four episodes
0: in four episodes yes okay so let's go ahead and dive into I guess the things that we oh wait no Let's talk about that kiss.
1: We're going to talk about the things we love, and (laughs) which is the kiss. So,
0: up until this episode, we have seen Veronica and Logan get closer and closer and closer Mm -hmm. together. It kind of started in the memorial episode when she gives him the tapes from the last year's homecoming with Lily on it, and they kind of share this like smile when it's playing because. They're both mutually like, this is this is the Lily we remember mm-hmm. and love. And they slowly get closer and closer together as friends. They interact more. Their exchanges are less hostile, like they were in the beginning. And then we have the whole episode where his mother disappears Mm -hmm. he hires her to help him and And he gets real vulnerable he gets incredibly vulnerable and you know we've seen vulnerable moments usually to weevil uh, but these ones are to veronica and i think through especially it being his mother and at that time her not knowing where her mother is or what's going on with her mother i think they really connect over that and i think he definitely has some affection for her and i and i don't know if you notice this but in the um the episode the dance episode when she's at the dance, Leo D'Amato's there and he's and Logan is drunk and they're out in the hallway trying to get she's trying to get keys from him. Mm-hmm. and It's like, where would he put his keys? He's only wearing a T-shirt and underwear. <laughs> and Trina, his sister, shows up and she starts to lead him away. Logan kind of does this like swing around and looks back at Veronica and has kind of not a longing look, but he kind of has this moment where he's kind of. Wanting to, like, linger back in that interaction. Mm-hmm. And, and then in the last episode, we saw him come over with the check mm-hmm. to pay her. She rips it up, says the kind thing about his mother that she was always nice to me. Um, but that's the last we've really seen them interact until this episode. And so one of the great kind of montages of this episode is he calls Veronica when she's sitting in the parking lot of the nursery watching Ben with his casually propped assault rifle <laughs> on his. the car he's driving And he's trying to give her a heads up that Duncan knows that Veronica's got a file on him. And Mm -hmm. she's like, well, I already know that Duncan knows because he confronted me about it. She drops her phone and Logan shows up at the Camelot Motel and he attacks Ben. And they kind of like she reveals that he's an agent. And then they're in the motel room and she's wetting a a washcloth for Ben to put on his face. And Logan's in there glowering. Ben says, like, I'll tell you what's going on, but I need him to leave. And Logan's like, no way, Jump Street. I'm not leaving her alone (laughs) with you. And he's kind of got this, like, not alpha male, but it's a very protective thing Mm -hmm. where he's like, no, I'm not going to leave her alone with you. We don't know anything about you. You claim you're an agent, but who knows? So he goes and he even, as Veronica's, like, escorting him out, he's like, don't close the door all the way and I'll be right outside. And so when she leaves after talking to Ben, she leaves the room and Logan's waiting for her and he asks if she is okay and she tells him, yeah, and then it's time marshmallows. It happens. (laughs) She kisses him. Like she kind of, it's kind of like a A a short and sweet, like a thank you. Mm -hmm. Like thank you for, for showing up, for being here. It's, all of these intense emotions for what's happened in the last hour to her from going to think she's getting kidnapped by, like, some psychopath to all of this stuff. And when she pulls away, they kind of, like, stare at her. Like, they're both a little bit, like, shocked. And she kind of, like, shakes her head, like, a little bit in disbelief. Like, what was that, Mars? And then she goes to turn and walk away. And and Logan grabs her arm and turns her around. And then the music swells. And there's a big kiss. And the love boat sails. Oh, uh, that wasn't the (laughs) song that I was going to sing. Uh... Love's in the air <laughs> everywhere I look around. Ding, 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 ding. That's what the ship's called. Uh, it's capital L, lowercase O, capital V, lowercase E for Logan and Veronica. It mm-hmm. spells love. How love perfect boat. is that? It's so, so perfect. Rob I Thomas
1: planned it the entire time.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I really That's hope why so. they're named what they are. Uh-huh.
0: Um, of course it's a little short-lived. They both kind of pull away and there's this moment of like what the hell just happened? And she bolts. She like goes down the stairs to her car and she looks up at him and he's looking down at her from the balcony and they're both just sort of like um and there's they don't really discuss it and even in the episode at the end when she walks into journalism, they kind of make eye contact and they're both just sort of like oh god. We well, got we got we're going to have to talk about this. There's so
1: many implications like you know so many she's she's with Leo. Leo. You used to speak with him with such stars in your Leo's eyes. Leo's great, <laughs> but <laughs> he's not, not Logan. Logan. <laughs> <laughs> he's not Logan. So she's with Leo, he's best friends with Duncan. Uh-huh. But I mean the friends thing shouldn't matter at this point um, with Meg and Duncan. Yeah. I mean it matters, but it's nothing that they can't overcome. So, so what, are you,
0: what are your thoughts on so uh, Logan and Veronica? I have a confession to make. You spoiled yourself on it, didn't you? Do you know how, though? How did you spoil so yourself? So if
1: anybody is watching Veronica Mars on Google Play, movies, and TV, every time it loads up, the very first episode that pops up is episode 20. In the screen
0: cap- Is there them kissing. Is
1: them looking, gazing lovingly into each other's eyes. So I've known since episode one.
0: God, that makes me so mad. <laughs> Oh, I've been trying to hold it in. Don't look at any more of the I I, I... Just watch the show with your eyes closed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that bums me out. That's okay. It's not the biggest thing. And but I do remember I didn't see it coming. But I I also when I am not enjoying something, I take it apart. If I'm not if I'm not enjoying a movie or if I'm not enjoying a book or a television show, I'll kind of start to pick at it. Just because I get bored, and my mind starts to think of like, what's the craziest thing that they could do, and then they do it, and who's the killer? It's Castle. It's always the first person they interview, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. But when it's a show or a movie I'm really, really enjoying, I won't figure out what the big plot twist is because I'm you too get into invested. The story yeah. And so when I tell people that, they're like, but you're a writer. You should be able to figure it out. And I'm like, no, I'm enjoying the story. I'm invested. And so I think with this, like I was just so involved with everything. I mean, granted, I also had like finals and like life and stuff. And I was having to watch it week to week. I wasn't binging. Mm-hmm. I think if I was binging all this, I could very clearly see the lead up. But I didn't. And I was so delighted but it was definitely was one of those things where it happens and then they don't talk about it and then the episode ends and I'm like um uh I have so many questions what happens now and waiting for the next week's episode was excruciating and I also didn't have friends who were watching the show with me so i didn't have anybody to talk you to no about outlets. it i wasn't really active on like the internet about it so i didn't even have like the fan community to plug into which i'm sure was super active or at least growing at that time and i, I very slowly converted by group of friends at that time by lending out my season one dvds and <laughs> Uh, it was to the point where I was like, call me when you watch Weapons of Class Destruction. I'll come over and watch it with you just because I like wanted to like have it happen and be like, ah! and I remember one of my friends, Emily, I had given her the DVDs and she forgot to call me. And so I like touched base with her after a few days. and I was like, have you watched it? And she's like, oh my God, it's Logan and Veronica. And I'm like, damn it, I wanted to watch that one with you. Like, I <laughs> wanted to experience somebody else. Um, I just was wanting to celebrate it. It's fine. But I'm really bummed that you were spoiled. But well, what do you think about it? I'm all right with it. Okay. Because if you weren't all right with it, <laughs> no. the fans would. I, I I warned Sean prior to this that he's not allowed to say anything negative about the love boat because people will stop listening to us. So
1: how do you know that I don't have any negative thoughts?
0: Because I told you not to say them. Uh-huh. Do you have negative thoughts? I don't have any negative okay, thoughts. Okay, good.
1: But if I did, you would never know. because so, you here's thre- the thing. You, She basically threatened me. I
0: did. I did. It was actually really funny. Hold on, let me find the tweet. Yesterday we got a tweet from a follower of ours on Twitter. Jenny Dahl, I hope it's okay that I'm saying your name, Jenny Dahl. She said, since the newbie, that's you, (laughs) isn't following your social, let's be honest. What we are all waiting for is the big love moment next episode and his reaction to it. I said, same, oh my God, I am giddy and can't wait to subject him to all my love thoughts. And if he's not on board with this ship, he's out. And she says, agreed. If he has a problem with Logan, he should head to the rectangle with the knob.
1: <laughs> the rectangle with the nub. Yes. I like it.
0: But luckily, it sounds like you are on board. I'm on board. So we will continue I've with been, this so ship.
1: I've, I've been seeing the screen cap, um, and I've been excited about that yeah. happening. So
0: It's really interesting. And like I, I won't say that I don't have negative thoughts about Logan and Veronica. There's a lot that's coming, and there's a lot of growth for both of those characters that... I think if you look at it from a realistic like stuff that needs to happen in order to have a healthy relationship, there's a lot to talk about, both good and bad, but having a realistic conversation yet still appreciating who they are. So Mm. there's a lot to come that we'll discuss, I'm sure. But good. I'm glad you like them. I'm so excited. This is like one of the big episodes. And then um, obviously the finale is going to be a huge one. So that's what I loved. (laughs) Emphasis on the love about this episode. (laughs) But let's go ahead. Um, I guess before we sign off, let's talk about our MVPs of the week. Let's. I feel like we might have the same one.
1: I, I started coming up with two. Oh, good. Yeah, because you, know, you were doing it too for a while. But I was.
0: I had always had a backup. Yeah. Okay. So I have a backup, but good. both
1: our number ones are obviously Miss Stafford. Or, oh, I just wrote it down as Joy Lauren Adams. <laughs> <laughs>
0: or Miss Stafford. I'll let you have her. Are you sure? Yeah. Tell me why. She's your MVP.
1: For one, I've had a crush on her since Mallrats <laughs> okay. and and days and confused. But
0: from from a from a character perspective From a character <laughs> per- perspective
1: Earth. she actually was pretty awesome cuz she kind of took everybody by surprise, I think.
0: I think so. Is I don't right? think people are expecting her to die on a hill like yeah, this. Yeah,
1: exactly. So she was all, you know, she's the Pep Squad teacher like she doesn't know shit about journalism and that no, she really she fills miss dent's shoes really well even if it's just for one episode and it's all about journalistic integrity and mm-hmm. and doing what's right and doing what's right and i don't know it's like in another world in another universe her and veronica i think would be really good friends oh
0: and, definitely yeah
1: I really enjoyed every scene that she's in. Mm-hmm. Mostly because she's in it. <laughs> but also, like, the last, very last scene where she's leaving and Veronica takes charge of the class and says, Okay,
0: buckaroos! Which is kind of what she does in the beginning. Like, we're burning daylight. Who's got a story?
1: Right. And just the the smile of satisfaction that Miss Stafford has when she's walking yeah. away. And she's just like, I, I, I reached somebody. I, yeah. I reached these kids.
0: Yeah. And I think that it it means a lot to do that knowing what's going to come out of it. Right. Like, she knew when she chose, because there's a moment, a scene in the evening, because they're doing the press in the evening, where she's sitting there with Veronica, and Veronica is laying out everything she knows. And Veronica even says, like, I can take this to the local newspaper, see mm-hmm. if they'll publish it. And I'm like, why don't you just take it to the cops? Like, why are we <laughs> why are we waiting for the news? I mean, do we think they're going to cover it up? So we go to the news? Right.
1: I, that's a situation where... That's where the freedom of press or comes Or to in.
0: the guy's lawyer. But anyway, Cliff. Give it to Cliff. You know Cliff's representing him. But anyway, <laughs> uh, she says that I'll just take it to the newspaper or, or just maybe create a website. You know Matt could do that for her. I'm not M- so convinced anymore. <laughs> but Ms. Stafford says that it's the right thing to do and, and that they're going to publish it. And I think she knew full well doing so was not going to end well for her. Right. But what a way to go, man. Yep. I think, you know, you go doing the right thing. You can't be bummed about that. I mean, think about the last teacher departure, Mr. Rooks. Yeah. (laughs) That's not the way you want to go. Yeah,
1: and like her next job interview, and they're like, so why did you leave Neptune High? Journalistic integrity.
0: Right? I mean, (laughs) you're like, "Mm." And it wasn't even that that bad of a thing. It's not like the story that they were publishing was similar to the bomb threats. and, And the story was done, and it was about the right and wrong of it and framing a student right there's a lot more to it the
1: first one i mean i was kind of on board with clemens as far as you know this isn't the is washington post yeah. yeah you don't have carte blanche to write whatever it's a student newspaper right and protecting
0: you guys pretty is much priority. is the priority over your not real freedom of speech as and student new- newspaper
1: exactly and So when they made the decision to run that, I was like, that's a terrible idea. Yeah. But the second time, the second run, obviously, that that is exactly what needed to happen. And I think it's just kind of the circumstances. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Clemens drew drew that line in the sand, and she walked over it. And she she crossed the line, and, you know, it is what it is. But either way, uh, that's why I voted for her.
0: So my... MVP was Miss Stafford, obviously. One of my two. Mm -hmm. Uh, But my other one was Norris.
1: So was mine. Oh, look at this. (laughs) I think this is going to be a
0: hard vote. I mean, maybe it won't be. I don't know. Um, I think that they both have very strong cases for being the MVP. Uh, But for Norris, we don't see the change, right? We don't see him change from this bully who used to terrorize people. But he's a decent person now. Mm -hmm. He is keeping his grades up. He's working really hard. He's got goals. He's got interests. I wish I knew more about kind of what happened behind the scenes, like if there was a pivotal moment that kind of changed him. What was it? Was it getting interested in in all of these cool ancient weapons and, and civilizations because you know it's more than that like yeah he likes the weapons but he knows so much about them that you know he knows the history yeah it's
1: the whole like the japanese culture that yeah he's
0: really... and then even william wallace she finds a replica in his room the from yeah. yeah from braveheart and he's like i've seen that movie a gazillion times so there's there's a lot to him that you just that's just hinted at and i think that he's also a real kind person. You know, he stands up for her when she's being harassed by other people, which is the opposite. He's like using his bully for good. Yeah. Uh, but not making a big thing about, out of it. He's not like Logan where he just hauls off and punches somebody. Logan's a bit, right. a touch <laughs> impulsive. He's kind of like the weevil of this episode. Right? right? Like yeah. an honorary weevil.
1: Right. And it and I like how he shuts down Ben too. He's just like, all you, what, you're, all you talk about is guns. All you yeah. talk He's about like, is death. He's I like, can't,
0: I can't hang out with you if you're going to keep doing this. And it really does kind of negate sort of the stereotype that you were starting to come into with him. Mm-hmm. And I also wonder if that "kill 'em all, let God sort 'em out" like is that a quote from like a movie, or like I wonder if it if it has to align with one of his interests and not necessarily like a credence he believes. I can tell you one thing: Hmm. "Kill 'em all" was the name of the first Metallica album. Okay. That's exciting. <laughs> when
1: I saw KillEmAll.net, I was like, ooh, 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 are they doing anything Metallica? Are they doing some Metallica it's stuff? Some
0: Metallica here? trivia. But I also really like how respectful he was in reading the room where he he likes Veronica, but he's not aggressive with that. He's mentioned it a few times to Ben, which I'm kind of like I kind of I, I wish I knew like how he mentioned it. Like if he just says good things about her, like, oh, you know, when she walked away after doing the poll, he's just like, yeah, she's really nice. Like, what was he saying? Hopefully it wasn't something gross. Like, like yeah, I'd like, damn. To, I'd like to get in her pants, you know, like something- I'd like to
1: stare at her ceiling. Oh,
0: God, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Like I could see it being kind of a respectful thing where he, you know, likes who she is or, you know, the stuff that she does or like she likes to help out people. Like I'm sure he's heard, you know, all of her investigativeness because VP has. So VP Clemens has heard it. Everyone has right. heard it. <laughs> but I I love when they're throwing the rubber ninja stars in his in his garage, garage and she's like detention again VP Clemens I think not and she like throws <laughs> she throws and it hits like the left hand and she's like try filling out that paperwork with your right or right handed it's just a very kind of funny mo- moment
1: I didn't catch that That's oh awesome. it's hilarious <laughs>
0: and I I also like that you know he does kind of suggest like an art exhibit
1: the Kurosawa retrospective exactly yeah.
0: and then when she doesn't immediately like jump at it, he's like, or we can just, you know, like as friends, like we can just go hang and to be able to, I think, read that and go for what her comfort level is Mm -hmm. in that situation is such a great skill to have gentlemen, uh, (laughs) just in general PSA. I just, I really appreciate him and I, I adore him. And he's been in a lot of other things. He died on an episode of Grey's Anatomy. He was in Luke Cage um, season one. He wasn't a good person,
1: but I love him. There's not a whole lot of good people in Luke Cage, I don't think. This is true. Not even Luke Cage.
0: This is true. (laughs) But I just really um, enjoyed the character of Norris and I wish we got more of him. He's delightful. So that's my that's my MVP. All right.
1: Well, I'd be interested to see how that pans out. I think either way it goes, we're both winners. Yeah. Yeah.
0: In a way. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a wrap on this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can find us every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. If you're enjoying the show, please consider dropping us a rating and a review. That helps others find us. If you'd like to reach out, find us on Instagram at Life After Mars Podcast or on Twitter at Life After Mars 09. Hate social? Then you can email us at lifeaftermarspodcast at gmail.com. Until next week, Marshmallows. Bye. Adios.